Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include moderating inflation for consumers, minor view with Equifax's Joel Rickman on leveraging income and employment verifications during the HELOC origination process, and the prices producers are paying. Today's podcast is brought to you by Simple Nexus an Encino company and award-winning developer of mortgage technology for modern lenders. Tens of thousands of loan officers at hundreds of independent mortgage banks, banks, and credit unions use the Simple Nexus Digital Mortgage Suite to provide a world-class borrower experience. With one login, you and your borrowers can do it all from any device, from uploading docs and checking loan status, to paying for appraisals, signing disclosures, and closing. Learn more at simplenexus.com. It was revealed yesterday that the consumer price index rose a temperate 0.2% in July and 3.2% year-over-year, matching consensus expectations. That marked the smallest back-to-back gains in more than two years, adding to a steady wave of disinflation in recent months. Excluding the volatile food and energy components, the core index rose 4.7% year-over-year versus 4.8% in June. The index for shelter accounted for 90% of the increase, but it's almost back to pre-pandemic levels and will continue to moderate after home price appreciation peaked last year. While the recent trend is encouraging and confirms that inflation is headed in the direction the FOMC wants, it's likely premature to get overly excited about a sustained return to the Fed's 2% inflation target. The Fed's fear is that a pause will reignite home price appreciation, exacerbate the affordability problem, and push inflation higher. Look for the Fed to leave interest rates unchanged at the next policy meeting in September, but add the caveat that the job isn't done yet. Initial claims also moved in a direction last week to corroborate the thinking that there is some softening in the labor market, which is what the Fed expects and hopes to see. However, bond yields rose by the day's close after the U.S. Treasury closed out this week's auction slate with a weak $23 billion 30-year bond offering. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome onto the show Equifax's Joel Rickman to talk about leveraging income and employment verifications during the HELOC origination process. He's a Senior Vice President of Verification Services at Equifax, where he serves as General Manager for a $1 billion line of business. His leadership extends beyond routine management, as he plays an instrumental role in shaping the future of the work number, an industry-leading income and employment solution for verifiers. He's also responsible for growth across all lines of banking and lending, including mortgage, auto, consumer finance, fintech, card, and student loans. His team helps clients utilize the data across the lending cycle to optimize credit decisioning, underwriting, portfolio review, and recovery. Joel's focus continues to be on how we can help every lender and borrower benefit from expanding their use of verified income and their decisioning processes, helping more consumers qualify for credit, and reducing the application and approval cycles. And one quick note for you listeners, yes, I did ask him about the CID, the CFPB issued this week, and uh, he declined to comment saying it'd be negligent and the, the public relations team would put out a press release when appropriate. So let's start by talking about HELOCs. Can you explain the draw of HELOCs versus a refinance or a new home purchase? Absolutely, Rob. In today's environment with the the interest rate changes and the the lack of inventory available, 
Uh, people are, are looking either one to enhance their home, which actually the use of HELOCs is up from that purpose to almost 60% of, of HELOC money is being used for home improvements and expansions where historically maybe it was used a little bit more for potentially education or uh, other big purchases that someone might have in mind. But with the change in interest rates and people staying in their houses longer and obviously the great appreciation and, and uh, growth of people's equity, it's made it a great avenue for people to access capital and, and money to, to do what they want to do with their life. And so we've seen a a growth really through 2022. We saw one of the strongest HELOC markets we'd seen in a number of years. Uh, 2023 started a little softer, but still very high demand um, for those uh, those financial vehicles. And they're underwritten a little differently uh, than other other types of products. And income and employment verifications are a critical part of the mortgage process, but are not always leveraged for things such as HELOCs. And that's probably surprising to some listeners. But can you explain why that is? Well, HELOCs are a little different, as you know and hinted on. Um, many of the loans that get done uh, for mortgages are going through Fannie or Freddie uh, or some of the other um, investment organizations, and those have very strict guidelines. Many of the HELOCs are being funded in other ways, and uh, sometimes that is the bank that you bank at directly, and sometimes that's organizations that focus just on providing HELOC loans and have their own capital that they use to finance those for you. But it's a it's a different process and a little bit different underwriting. What's interesting is where we do see the use of of our data more consistently in certain areas is it tends to be when when banks are doing HELOCs and they're also involved in uh, a healthy first-party uh, mortgage business, they want to copy those processes. They found that they get efficiency and they also get the benefit of consistency in regards to the underwriting process. And so we'll see um, much more uh, of a balance of folks using uh, income employment um, data from a verified source when they're making those decisions. Uh, we have other organizations that you know never actually get to meet folks, and I would almost consider those um, similar to what we see in the fintech space. Um, we've also seen a bit of a lift in what I would refer to as large personal loans, which obviously aren't tied to any property or real estate, but people wanting to get access to cash where they've been unable to do cash out refis. Uh, that were so popular uh, through 20 and 21 and early 2022. But what we're what we're seeing in regards to trends of income employment is we're seeing that go up. We measure, you know, when, when things hit trade lines of new home equity lines or personal loans, we take a look at those and see how much and how often were was the work number used in those situations. And we're considering we're continuing to see both of those increase. And it's really tied to the the desire of lenders to have consistency across their lending process, or second, it's it's about timing and it's competing with some of the fintechs for personal loans uh, to get the HELOC done quicker and easier for the consumer uh, to be able to close that loan. And a number of consumers still want to go with the HELOC versus a personal loan because of the benefits of being able to draw on it as they need it, not necessarily taking out that full loan amount up front. And so 
there's still a balance and a high demand for both products, but where we're seeing the difference in the utilization of our data is that desire to get it done quicker and to get it done with the most similarity or consistency as they're doing with their first mortgages. Quick follow-up. Does the HELOC normally end up on the originator's balance sheet or what, what becomes of the asset? It does depend. I mean, it, it's obviously different than first mortgages. A lot of banks do carry those on their balance sheets directly, um, and it varies. But there are also other organizations that focus purely on um, home equity loans, and they will sell those and bundle those up in situations. It's it's a, it's different, um, but also similar to mortgages. A lot of uh, banks or financial institutions will hold some level of those loans on their own balance sheet and put others out for investors. And so when it comes to income and employment verifications, lenders need the right insights to continue making responsible lending decisions with confidence. What's the latest in that space from a technology perspective? Well, it's been an exciting time. So I've been in this space now, Rob, for about six years and um, was new to it when I first took over this role. Uh, But What's really been exciting is the adoption of income and um, employment information as an underwriting and a borrowing tool to qualify people over the last six years. And that's been because of of the work we've done to continue to grow the work number, but it's also the work of lots of other organizations that have come into the space and are offering other alternatives. So as you bring more people into the space, there's more talk, there's more value, there's there's more benefits to the entire ecosystem. And so it's been, to me, really exciting over the last, especially 18 to 24 months, as more people have entered the space of income and employment verifications, um, we've seen the utilization of it go up almost across the board in every type of lending um, asset, from credit cards to personal loans to autos and of course mortgages and HELOCs. Um, so across the board, we've seen that that growing. What we continue to hear from customers and and why there's that opportunity for others to join the space is there's none of us out there that have 100% coverage. Um, there's no one out there that can always answer the question 100% correctly um, for each and every single borrower. And that's because there's so many different ways to make a living in the United States and so many different income streams that there's always something unique and something new. But I would say when you think about what's changing the most, there's been an, a, um, a very strong step forward to get a hold of as many records as possible um, by everybody in the space so that you have an instant answer, an instant um, response to the borrower and to the lender. And there's been um, very uh, significant investments in how do we help those borrowers that don't fall into necessarily a traditional uh, pay stub type of uh, of income stream and what tools are out there to help them prove their income and make that available for the lenders? How would you say the ecosystem has evolved, though? Can you give examples? Absolutely. So the ecosystem, um, I think, as, as many people know, uh, we were we were delighted to work with uh, the GSEs early in the process and as they worked on their day one certainty uh, programs. And at that point, verified income um, really had to come directly from the source. And uh, the work number was directly tied into uh, not only the employers, but also payroll providers to bring that data um, through in real time 
updated as of the last uh, pay cycle. Where we've seen changes in the environment is there's additional people that have wanted to get into that game. So there's other companies that that operate just the same way we do. They have records that they store and um, for employers uh, or access from payroll providers, and they make those available uh, to the lenders. And there's a handful of those organizations uh, that I believe everybody's familiar with that allows customers to build out multiple connections. So they may know that a certain employer is only available at a certain verification company. And so they'll build that logic and build that connection so that they can get that instantly. Um, They may also know that these employers are not um, available uh, through an instant type of solution, and they may push them or or provide them a tool uh, that allows them to either log in and capture that information or to upload a, a pay stub and have that verified as against a database of other pay stubs to see if it is um, appears to be uh, genuine or not. Uh, the, the Still the challenge in the space is it's become so easy to uh, fraudulently make documents uh, that the third party verification part of it, that third party source to know that the data is coming directly either from that employer or from that payroll provider adds a significant amount of value of reducing the risk on any lending vehicle um, to make sure that it's uh, that it's accurate information and it's not been fraudulently produced uh, and put into the loan process. And finally, what's new at Equifax? How do you continue to stay on the cutting edge of income and employment verification? Well, there, there's a lot of new things at Equifax. We continue to have... Um, have a lot ahead of us. We we still consider the the use of income and employment in its infancy compared to uh, credit or some other scoring tools used in in the credit space. Uh, but we continue to focus um, first and foremost on making sure that we get the the most data and the cleanest data for our customers, so that it's available instantly and that we can provide that assistance to the borrower and the lender in real time. Additionally, we've made some investments in other type of partnerships and um, data sources that that people need to to know are truly verified information. So, you know, there's a number of things in the process of borrowing money and lending that you need to know that information is is truly accurate. And so we have uh, partnerships now with uh, the National Student Clearinghouse. Uh, for when you're potentially doing borrowing with student loans and need to know exactly um, where someone is going to school and, and where they've graduated from. Uh, we're starting to see some of that data actually be used by the fintechs and their decision making as well. Um, we've also invested in and acquired a company that provides verified information in regards to incarceration and in, in regards to legal uh, court uh, filings. And we see a number of people using that for many different reasons. But that's um, outside of building our database to be the the biggest and and um, most inclusive in, in the industry. Those are some of the new angles that we're looking at in regards to verified information that's used in the process. And you know, I think you've heard if if you anyone's listened to any of our earnings calls or any of the releases by um, by our organization. We're on the uh, the backside, we being the, the workforce solutions team of migrating uh, all of our platforms into the cloud and making them more scalable and um, getting the benefits of that cloud technology to be able to deploy products faster, 
uh, with more flexibility and resiliency. And that was a journey that was really educational to the organization. And we're excited now that we're able to benefit from that investment and that new environment. So, you know, it, it's a lot to keep us very busy uh, over the last few years, but we see a lot of uh, a lot of great opportunities ahead of us as well. Joel, this was great. Thank you very much for the time and uh, wish you the best of luck going forward. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Today's calendar kicked off with the MBA reporting that the delinquency rate for mortgage loans on one to four unit residential properties decreased to a seasonally adjusted rate of 3.37% of all loans outstanding at the end of the second quarter of 2023, down 19 basis points from the first quarter and down 27 basis points from one year ago. The percentage of loans on which foreclosure actions were started in the second quarter fell by three basis points to 0.13%. We've also received the July Producer Price Index, which increased 0.3% month-over-month and 0.8% year-over-year versus 0.2% month-over-month and 0.6% year-over-year expectations, and both 0.1% month-over-month and year-over-year previously. Of course, CPI rose 2.7% year-over-year. The only other release scheduled for today is at 10 a.m. Eastern with the preliminary August Michigan sentiment. We begin the day with agency MBS prices worse than eighth to a quarter from last night, and the tenure yielding 4.13 after closing yesterday at 4.08%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. Well, I guess it's not really a joke, it's more of a quote, but there's definitely a school of thought that believes you cannot legislate the poor into prosperity by legislating the wealthy out of prosperity. What one person receives without working for, another person must work for without receiving. The government cannot give to anybody anything that the government does not first take from somebody else. When half the people get the idea that they do not have to work because the other half is going to take care of them, and when the other half gets the idea that it does no good to work because somebody else is going to get what they work for, that, my dear friend, is the beginning of the end of any nation. You cannot multiply wealth by dividing it. Happy Friday. Well, that's not part of the quote. That's just me to you, baby. Thanks again to today's podcast sponsor, Simple Nexus, an NCNO company, developer of mortgage technology, uniting the people, systems, and stages of the mortgage process into one seamless end-to-end solution. Learn more at simplenexus.com. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.